1: To this Tuesday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rick Shields. and right over here, well, as many of you know, we don't have Jane Victoria Norlock. Uh, Jean has just moved over the weekend, and uh, while I, I think she's beginning to settle into the mountains, uh, being off in the mountains some 20 minutes north of the U.S. Canada border. Uh, not so much with the sticking to the schedule. The phone guy, you know, it's one of those. We'll be there this week, so perhaps before Thursday, but uh, not tonight. And uh, but I have texted with her a couple of times, and I did talk to her for about 60 seconds, and she's doing well, and uh, as well as can be expected in the middle of chaos and moving. Uh, she, like a lot of uh, ladies I know, is very very fond of organization, so. Um, and it was fun because they the house they're moving into is actually a grandparent, his grandparents' house. And so even though they have moved out, uh, both the grandmother and grandfather, um, they didn't apparently take anything or pack anything. So she's not only unpacking, she's packing, right, packing stuff right back. She's just trading boxes out of the cabinets. It's much fun. I'm sure. Anyway. So that means we get a shorter chat time and a shorter patience test for our guest tonight. Uh, Don't really have many uh, uh, announcements. We do have an opening Thursday. uh, Raya may join us, but uh, if not, we're going to have a call in and take shots at me. Or if we've got Jean back, it may be that our guest canceled for that night so that we can hear all about her magical new home and, uh, really her dream home, in her dream setting, with her dream people. And uh, she she uh, has told a little bit of the story here and there on the show, but it'd be great to hear the story of how this happened with, as she puts it, absolutely no effort or money on my part. Um, and uh, it, it's a great story, so that may be what we're doing Thursday. We'll just see. But tonight we have with us Rita Garcia a uh, coach uh channel uh teacher all about wonderful person how are you Rita
2: I'm doing great how are you i'm good thanks so much for having me on tonight. i appreciate it oh
1: I'm glad that you had time to join us mm. so I suppose we'll move right on into gene's trademarked question i've i've been uh advised that I have to ask the question and that I have to try to ask it the same way she does so I'll do my best okay. um and then we'll uh, we'll see what happens okay so rita yeah who the hell are you and what do you do <laughs> <laughs>
2: who am i these are very profound questions right from the beginning um I am a mom. First of all, I I would say if I was going to classify myself, I would say I'm a mother of three kids and a wife to a pretty amazing guy. And um, what I do is, besides uh, parenting and and keeping, tending home and gardening, um, one of the big things that I do and that I'm fascinated by is helping people come home to themselves. So one of the ways I do that is um I do the spiritual life coaching, as you know. And I, I started that off um actually a really long time ago in my life, maybe half my life ago. <clears throat> and uh and then I started getting into social work and I went to social work school. And right. after about ten years of being a social worker and then having a family i put that all away i felt very burnt out and i just wanted to focus on my family and then i myself went into um a, a crisis of of identity and and in my life in general and at the same time that i was doing this i had hired a coach to help me with a business that i had i thought he was going to help me close more people that's what i that's what i thought i hired him for right and you know how, you know, your higher self will let you do things <laughs> to its own end. so thinking that I hired him to help me um, create sales in this other business, I was astonished when he told me at some point, um, you need to take a step back from the business. So um, I reluctantly did that. It was like one of the most terrifying things I did because I thought that my business was going to save my life. And uh When I did that, I allowed myself the time and space to do things like meditate, take care of myself, uh, work out, just have quiet time. And I loved that so much that I never went back to what I was doing. And I really went down a road with him where I learned um, a lot about uh, what spirituality is really for me. Um, how I create my own life, how my beliefs shape everything that I do and everything I think and everything I feel. And so I started feeling better after a while. It took a long time, but I started feeling better. And then um, I started looking around, and I would go into, like, Whole Foods. If you've ever been to – well, you're from Texas. You've been in Whole Foods, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, Whole Foods, where we live, is, I mean, it's like an unbelievable – Abundance of food and color, and yet I go in there uh, with new eyes and sort of like, wow, wow, this is amazing, and I see so many miserable people going up and down the aisles, <laughs> and I thought, wow, a lot of people need to know what I'm learning, because it's not about how much money you have, it's not about where you live, um, it's it's what you're thinking inside. Here are these people in this very nice area going through this like what I think is like food as a work of art type of place and are miserable. So
1: it is really surprising to me when I go through Whole Foods here. We have a gigantic one over near where I grew up and we don't really have one out at my end of town, but I I make the venture and um, every so often, and, and the people that are just wandering up and down the aisles look like they're in some mass market hypnosis yeah. grocery store just going through the motions.
2: Yeah, exactly. They were going through the motions of their life and, and being feeling really miserable about the whole thing. And um, so I decided, you know, maybe um, – Being a social worker and wanting to help people in general, I thought, well, maybe I could take the skills I have as a social worker and help a lot of people. So I started emailing a couple of my mommy friends, because those are my people. That's who I was surrounding myself with. Sure. And said, um, hey, you want to come over, and um, I have some news to tell you about my own life. I'm feeling better and I want to tell you about it. So about three women came over. And we did literally, I think we met for 45 minutes. We did like a 15-minute meditation, and we talked. And I said, "Um, so do you guys want to do this again? And they went, yes. (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Can we do it right now again?
2: Exactly. Can we live here? So that that was my first group um, doing this. And we met for two or three years, the four of us. We stayed a group for uh, two or three years, and and then switched out members and new members came in and things like that. So and then I also started doing individual work, coaching women who wanted to just focus the time on them and their individual needs. And so I started doing that. And I started building. What I realized was a new business where I was doing something I really passionately loved doing and i was good at it i was good at it and i loved it and it came to me like um like water off a duck it was so simple and at the same time it was challenging so it wasn't boring at all um and the other wonderful thing about it was that whatever i was working on at the time usually one or two of my clients would have the same exact thing so i would get to um, experience something, work through it, and then pass it on to them. And many times they were they were doing things in it that I wasn't doing, so I got to learn from them. So I was just like, wow, I get paid <laughs> to do the work I love to do, to do the personal development I love to do, and just share it with other people. That was basically what I was doing. So I did that for... um That's yummy. I know. It's just like dream job for me. And I was... The person, I remember when I got married um, in 1999, my uh, guy of honor got up to give a speech and he said, Rita is the person. I've never seen someone work so hard try to figure out what they're supposed to do when they grow up. And because I was obsessed with what am I supposed to do and I still really hadn't hit it. So when I was doing this, I thought, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is it. And um, And when you hit that, for me, that was like, um, huge huge so I built a business on that and was very happy and then um, this is a long answer to this question I really Oh, it's
1: perfect okay we, we we get everything from two words to 30 minutes so okay you're right on spot
2: all right so so I was working with this coach continually working with this coach and, and learning and 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 growing and at one point I started, um, and this is where you and I intersected, I started watching uh, Esther Hicks, um, who channeled Abraham. I started watching her uh, obsessively. Like I was always a fan. For a while I was a fan. But I started just watching all the time, all the time, all the time. Like I just couldn't get enough of it, of the videos, and watched the same ones over and over. And I kind of confessed this to my... Coach, You know, like, I think there's something wrong here. I'm obsessed with this. And he said, um, very wisely, maybe there's nothing wrong with it. Maybe you just want to do that. And I thought, me? Me? Yeah. That's for someone special. That's a special thing. I'm not that person. Um, I'm I'm a life coach. I don't channel do that kind of stuff and so of course you know that was smashed to pieces by the end of the session with him and um, he's like well why not and around that time I caught an interview with Oprah Oprah Winfrey interviewing Esther Hicks about how she got into what she was doing and it was as simple as she start. she had her own channel reading through I think it was Seth the woman who um, channeled Seth I think and then they told her, um, check in with yourself, like you can do this. And um, so she started meditating and just letting go and letting go. And sure enough, these energies started coming through her. And so I thought, well, I could do that. I'd meditate. So every night it became my little nightly project, my experiment. I would sit in my chair in my bedroom and I would close my eyes and focus on my breathing and relax. And I just would say to myself, let go, and let go more, and keep letting go, and let go, and let go, let go. And maybe the second night, I started to um, notice that my hands wouldn't stay in the same place. My hands would slowly, slowly, slowly start moving up and change position as if they were going to start floating. And I just... I just was sort of fascinated by what else is going to happen, and as things started unfolding and unfolding, um, I started getting messages in my head um, like, um, "We're here, we're here, um, we're here to help you. Um, you are love. You know, really nice, kind, gentle messages." And I just kept going and going and going. And finally, I decided I'm going to give this a voice. I'm actually going to allow these words to be spoken. And I started doing that. And then a a, a name came. And the name was Alexa. And um, then I just kept developing and developing it. And right around that time, I was searching the net. um, And I found um, the group that that I, I met you in, which was the course uh, the channeling course and um run by three people which I thought was interesting and when I told them my story I think I came like maybe halfway through the course when I told them my story they were just like laughing because it was so um <laughs> familiar. Yeah. And uh I felt like oh I found my people because at that point my peeps Yeah, I found another group that I really I need to be with because I felt very isolated. I was doing this, but um, I was sort of doing it um, without any conversation. I had one friend who I could talk to about it, but everyone else, no one else was doing anything like this that I knew personally.
1: Right, right. And and, and, and it societally is not, you know. <laughs> I talk to God. That's fine. God talks to me. Oh, (laughs) hospital for
0: you. White
2: Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and I would, I would take little baby steps where I would have lunch with another life coach that I thought maybe we had like this connection. And I would say something like, do you think of Abraham? And she'd say, yeah. And it was like, we were giving each other the code. You know, it was like, I felt like I was coming out all the time. Like I was a gay man coming out, like
0: all the right. time. Right, With Different
2: people, very, like in very, um, like little ways where we'd have like these aha moments where you go, oh, really? You too? Oh, man, that's, tell me more. And then they'd tell me their story. And so then I started realizing there were people in town who who were at least open and interested in this. And um, and then I started, uh, obviously, people from class.
3: Sure. And then
2: there were people, guest speakers at class. So I, I hooked up with them, the people that I really resonated with. I started being Facebook friends with. So I, I, I started building my own little community uh, around this. And then it was time to um, – so I did that for about a year and never thought I would ever – Stop doing that. I was so into it. It was like every night something new. And then I just dropped it. I dropped it. I just put it away. And I think it was fear and doubt and um, what am I doing? And I'm making this up and... Um, just my
1: imagination.
2: Yeah, it's just my imagination. I'm making... I want this so bad that I'm manufacturing it. Right? So... Um, So I kind of put it away, and then I realized that in a lot of my sessions, coaching sessions, I had information coming that was not my own. In other words, maybe I had an intuitive sense, but then some words would come out of my mouth that normally I wouldn't use or that were so profound, I'm like, who who said that?
1: you know? Where'd that come from? (laughs)
2: Exactly. Wow. And um, I'm
1: good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like,
2: hey. And, you know, I would talk to my coach or talk to my friends about it, and they'd say, well, that's channeling too. You know, like, hello. So I kind of did that. And I never talked about it as channeling per se, but just, you know, um, sort of this inspired talking or something. And then um, I... I, last, I think it was March, actually, in March of this year, I went through this major slowdown, and I know I'm not alone in this, Was like walking through mud for about a month, six weeks, and um, I had vertigo at one point, had really bad vertigo for like a day where it was, and I've never had vertigo before, and just everything was like, everything felt really difficult to do. And I knew something was up, something was shifting, but I didn't know what. And I started reaching out to different astrologers and, and just reading different things. And then um, it was suggested to me, you know, maybe it's good to go back to that channeling thing where you were connecting with this, you know, higher being to help you. Like, this would be a good time.
1: Yeah, now might be a good time. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so I started doing that again. And, wow, I was basically told you're being recalibrated, you're being recalibrated, I was like, really, what what do you mean, you know, what do you mean, recalibrate, you're being, this is why you have to slow down, we need to change some stuff up in you, you're being bumped up, you know, to the next level of consciousness, and you're going to be walking through mud, and you're going to be letting go of a lot of stuff, and,
1: and suddenly falling down, and
2: Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah everything's going to fall apart. I'm like, no, I did that for years. I thought I was done with that. I thought transformation done. read is good.
1: 2. Destination.
2: <laughs> exactly. I didn't know there was a, still a lot more to go. And they said, no, 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 no. There's still, you're, you're like first trimester here. I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> okay. And they're like, it's okay. It's cool. This is where you, this is what you wanted. That was the, the, the biggest, message I got over and over is this is what she wanted your whole life and that always brought me back to knowing because it would always bring me to tears when someone would say this is what she wanted and and that knowing of like okay yeah I didn't know it was going to be this way though
1: yeah it I mean you you you've brought it up we did take a channeling class together and I had a channeling experience many years ago uh in the mid to late 80s that scared me to death and it's one of those things like I'm going to this is cool I'm going to check this out and then something happened and I was like ah yeah no. and um uh, but we took the class together and I foresaw yeah. myself you know uh, not necessarily touring around like uh, Esther and Jerry, you know, that was just nonstop all over the country and right. the planet, but uh, regularly working with clients one-on-one and helping them with change in their life and da-da-da. <laughs> I certainly would not have said, you know, oh, well, I'm going to be a radio host and right. and producer and movie right. producer. and Yeah, no. Uh-uh. But... It comes like it comes, I guess.
2: Exactly. and it, it unfolds the way it
1: needs to unfold.
2: So, so then I started, I was really, the the channeling, because in the beginning when I started doing it, I immediately wanted to help other people with it, and then I would have the block of confidence. What if I say something and no one gets it? What if they think I'm making it up? What if blah, 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 and that stopped me, stopped me. So the second time that I let it kind of come to me, I decided I'm just going to work on myself. This is just for me. And I needed it. I couldn't work with anyone else. I didn't even want to see anyone else for like a month and a half. So um, I focused on myself, myself, myself. And in that there were so many little and big changes that happened that it gave me the confidence. It, It helped me build me back up. To the point where, if I was going to share this, it would definitely because I wanted to do it, not because I thought I had to do it. Um, because I'm a good helper, because I like to help people, it was something that I ch- I was ready to do. But it was, but it, I think I had to go through that period where it was just for me, just for me.
1: Well, and it doesn't really land right if you're doing it for all those other reasons that you listed. Yeah. You know, it's well. I have a service mentality and I must be of service to others. And, right. Or, or I just like to help people and it, it, it has to come in there for you. I mean, it, it's a famous interview quote with Esther. Uh, uh, she asked Abraham once, you know, very early on it you, you, you want me to tell people that the world this. Right. And the answer was, we're just telling you. Exactly. And, um, it, it it's a it's odd because you'd think well this must be an energetic this must take some doing, and so this must be for a big deal, and yeah. well it's just for you, yeah you know exactly. and and uh, uh, really looking back at it it's like wow me just me yeah but it does it takes a lot of that pressure off of I got to go save the world or something and it takes a lot of those. Odd motivations out of your reason why?
2: Yeah, and and you know one of the things that they say typically, you know, it's sort of we have this little ritual of words that happen in the beginning, and I think it's a reminder to me is that one of the things that they say is um, we're always glad to be here, we're always thrilled to be here, because for Rita to have to have access to us, she has to she has to shift her energy, and that's always a good thing. So, basically, I feel like what they're saying, and I, I'm kind of voicing it right now in this interview, is they're saying, this helps Frida. And that's the most important thing. This, She feels better when she does this. And that's the most important thing. Right. And and when you think about it, not just for me, but because when I shift, I can only, always, and only be a help to other people that way. If I haven't shifted my energy... To a better feeling place, then I have a limited capacity to help anyone anyway. Right. So, so it's it's it, it makes total sense, you know, as we talk about it, why it happened the way it happened. Um. So, so then I started doing that, and I started doing um, group channeling, and I decided this was sort of my the way my baby step towards doing it. I decided. You know what, Um, I'll invite some people over, and in the beginning it'll be whatever. We'll just do it for fun, and um, everyone's going to meditate. We're all going to meditate together, and that way, if nothing comes out of me because I'm nervous, then we've all meditated. It's all
1: good. We've all at least had something. Exactly. That was
2: sort of my, like, let's just all start meditating, so, and I figured if they're all focusing on meditating, they're not focused on me. So it, it just took all the pressure off of me having to do anything. Right. So I started doing that, and um, and the, and it just started. You know, like it would. They would come in and say something about whatever, and then um, ask for questions. And then people's questions helped so much. I found when people ask questions. Um, it makes it flow so much easier than if I'm asking a question of, my, of myself, you know, if I'm internally asking a question.
1: Yeah, yeah. It
2: just pulls the energy out.
1: hard for me to go back and forth, like, conversationally.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. It's
1: like uh, worse than a ping pong match. You can't, it, your head's whipping around. Ah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's easier if someone answers a question and then they answer. And someone asks a question and they answer. And that was also an interesting growth period because sometimes people would come and go, well, that was interesting, bye, or, uh, thanks.
1: Uh, Okay.
2: (laughs) And other people were like, this is great. So I realized, because, you know, I'm trying to figure out, well, this will be established whether I'm going to do this or not. And... One time I had like three women over and two of them were like, okay, well, thank you. You know, they kind of like backed out of the room, you know, like, all right. And um, and I thought, wow, that wasn't the response that I thought. You know, I think uh, my expectation that people were going to be like, wow, that was great, profound and everything. And that wasn't the response. And that was perfect for me because I realized that um, I can't do this because I want people to be wowed by it. I need to do this because I want to do it, because it feels good to do. And um, right around that time, when I was feeling a little like, should I be doing this anymore because people weren't wowed by it, I was listening to an interview on NPR, and it was this the guy who was like the head of NBC when Seinfeld was big. And they were um, asking him about, how, you know, like, what what were the reviews of Seinfeld when it first started? And he said, I have a framed, I have a frame on my desk and it has a piece of paper. In it. And the piece of paper is one of the original um, feedback sheets that they got about the show. They have, when they do a show, they have little audiences watch it and give feedback. Right. And he said the feedback about Seinfeld when it first started was that it was too Jewish, it was too ethnic. It wasn't interesting enough. No one liked the characters. This is what, how Seinfeld was reviewed. And he said, I realized, I keep that as a reminder that I knew in my heart that that show was going to be successful, and I love that show. And that the fact that that audience didn't like, like it was okay. It was okay. Yes. It was just one audience. Sure. And so when I heard that, I went, oh, thank you. Thank you. Do it because you believe in it, not because one audience doesn't like it, or you don't even know if they don't like it. But they didn't. They weren't wowed by it. Right. So I thought, all right, it's time to continue because I still it feels good to do. I'm just going to do it. And uh, so I kept doing it, and sure enough, the right people showed up, and then people wanted individual sessions. So I started kind of. Uh, I still do coaching, but. A lot of my coaching is now coaching slash channeling, and, um, which is, can be very powerful. And so I was doing that and rolling along. And then I went on a Reiki session. And the Reiki uh, master told me, uh, there's another energy coming through you, a masculine energy. So just look out for it. And I said, oh, okay. So then I was like, oh, who's this? And uh, so I asked this, I just said, who are you and what do you want? Um, and what do you do? And um, the answer was, we're putting energetic crystals into your palms. Oh, really? I say. And I noticed that I started having uh, this Yeah, it's like, so nice pulsing. when you get
1: those announcements of, we're doing this to you now.
2: Exactly. <laughs> You're going in for service first. <laughs> You're being recalibrated and now we're putting energetic crystals in your palms. This is what you asked for. So um so I started having this pulsing out of my palms and it felt like a like a like a pulse but like a like a rotating pulse. I don't know how to describe it. I'm doing it with my hand but you can't see it. But um so That was kind of cool, and the the name I got on that was Ray, and I went Ray. Are you kidding me? Like Fred or Joe,
1: right? Not 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 like or something.
2: Exactly, Methuselah, and they and he said, well, as in Ray of Light, and I went, oh, okay, I like that one. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Ray, and Ray doesn't say a whole lot. Ray gives very, very short answers, but it's a lot about the energy. It's about feeling the energy. And um, so so I worked with Ray for, I've been working with that energy for a while. And that's all about, um, I just worked on myself for like a month where I was um, taking, bringing the energy into my hands and then putting them on those different chakras of my body and, and seeing what I felt being the receiver and the giver at the same time once again it can get a little strange there yep and so right before um we went on summer vacation we went to mexico city um uh i got the word it's time to work on other people like you need to start practicing on other people and i was like okay and um so we went to Mexico City, and I thought, well, I can't wait three weeks to come back and do this, so maybe I'll just find some people in Mexico City. And um, as soon as I mentioned it to a couple of people I knew, they were like, yeah, work on me, energy work, yeah, do it, do it. And um, so I started doing that, and I started getting messages and sensations in my body and, um, like, either like reactions you know like um feeling unsteady or feeling like the energy was pushing me or pulling me or or stuck and mm-hmm. so now I'm doing that um and then I and then I did it from a distance and um and today I just did it where I send the energy and someone needs to pick it up within 24 hours so it just keeps growing and evolving um
1: expanding and
2: absolutely and
1: it, it, it's I try to explain to people when they ask me and, and, and it's it, it's almost a little bit difficult to explain because yeah. you know yeah I have ideas and things of what I think I'm going to be doing a year from now but no that could be different tomorrow so they're yeah. really just kind of fun games I play you know like laying out a schedule for this movie I yeah. I really think that that's I mean I'm Boy, the passion starts coming out in me, and I'll I'll look up, and it's three a.m., and I'm watching little I'm watching educational videos on production or budget or things, and um, but you know, gosh, I I couldn't have told you I was be doing this a year ago, so
2: exactly uh, exactly.
1: Y- y- what am I going to be doing in the summer of 2013? Right. I,
2: Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean. One of the things I had a client just today say, you know, in the world of business, you're supposed to make a goal, write a plan, and then follow, execute that plan. And I said, um, well, you can still do that, but just know it's all pretend. Right. Just know it's all a pretend plan that is you're laying out to make yourself feel better, which is fine, um, and then see what happens.
1: And it can be fun. It can be. I mean but
2: it may not all go go according to plan, and that is magical if you the, can be okay with that
1: if you can yeah, not put the attachment it it because i'm I'm a gadget person, I love gadgets, so filmmaking come on, talk about gadgets yeah oh, you got cool lot of toys. Gadgets. yeah and um, and I've also you know done management and organization and and I've always seen it more as a duty, you know it's like there's this group of people and they want to all get somewhere together and that's hard to do. So I'm going to help shepherd them together when they, you know, uh, one of them runs out of the flock and starts screaming their head off. I mean, <laughs> wants to go a different direction. But, um, but it's just, so it's tremendous fun now. And people are like, yeah, but you haven't gotten your first grant yet. And how are you going to, you can't really talk to these location people about coming to, film them because you can't tell them when because you don't have any money in either and I'm like yes so what yeah and and, and they're they just look at me like you've lost it
2: <laughs>
1: and you know y- 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 if I have lost something I'm I'm fairly sure I'm glad I lost it
2: I was going to say <laughs> that's good yeah I mean there's there's Our our logical part of our brain can really um, it, it's a I think it's it's a helpful servant, but when it starts to take over, it can really in, in, impede what you're doing. So it's great that you um, allow yourself and naturally just feel good where you are, even though all these other things are not in place yet.
1: Yeah, and it is it is sometimes I mean it's a very new experience. Uh, like you say, it always keeps evolving and expanding, and um, but it's uh, in a way, it's very liberating. Yes. Um, you can't be stressed about how you're going to make this come true if you don't even have any thoughts about making it come true.
2: Right. Right.
1: And. Uh, But it is, the logical mind can scream and squirm a bit until some some things start manifesting, you know? Yeah. It's like when you first jump off the cliff, your brain goes... "Ah!"
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: And, um, but then you fly, and then you do that time and again, and the logical brain starts going, hey, wait a minute, she might have an idea.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like when I first started the business that i do now um i for years seemed like for years i was miserable in one area and that was i wasn't making enough money with it enough whatever that means right it was never at a level where i felt good about it and and then of course because i didn't feel good about it I would say, well, but I'm a life coach, and I'm supposed to have a happy life in all areas, and here I don't have a good life in this area, so I'm not a very good coach, and who am I, and blah, blah, blah and I can
1: go into it. Why would anybody listen to me?
2: Exactly. If they saw all what broad. was going
1: on around here.
2: Right. And at one point, you know, uh, my coach said to me, you know, maybe, Rita, maybe this is not about the money. And I go, what do you mean? What, what does that mean? And he said, maybe you do this because you love to do it and you don't have to be concerned with the money. I mean, do you really need to be concerned with the money at this point? Like, are you going to be homeless? And I said, no. He said, so why are you sweating it? And it was really the first time I considered that maybe I don't need to worry about it. And, you know, for 10 seconds I didn't worry about it. And then I went back to that habit of worrying about it. But I should be doing this. Tell me about it. (laughs) <laughs> and you go back and forth and back and forth. And, um, you know, it's a process where when you're when you're replacing an old belief with a new belief, where that old belief keeps coming up and again and again, and you can either let it take you for a ride or you can say, oh, that's just the old belief. Oh, yeah, that's just the old belief. And I have a new belief now, and this is it.
1: It's, it's where the magic starts is just being able to catch yourself.
2: Exactly. You just catch yourself, and and then you actually literally make new connections in your brain when you do that. So, the more you can do that, the easier it gets. And then before you know it, you're going down that new road, and you don't even think about the old road. And maybe it comes up every once in a while in a new form, but um, it gets easier and easier.
1: Right. And and not only don't take the old road, don't now that you see it, don't start kicking yourself over it.
2: Right, exactly. Don't judge yourself for going down that road.
1: I was I was in a session with the Elohim and mm. and they actually were doing my uh core emotion. Mm. Which I have to say was an extraordinarily powerful session. And mm. they like nailed my whole life out onto the board in less than the I think it was like a 90-minute session and we did it in under an hour. Right and then they said okay well that's really that so you can either ask another question or we can get off and you <laughs> figure something out
0: right. and
1: and and but they told me don't don't go looking back don't go looking for examples don't yep. do that and of course i did that and uh but they were quite You know, refreshed with the way that I did because I was like, "Oh wow, it was in there too." Instead of "Oh gosh, I did it there too." It's it's a big difference. Yeah. Well, I
2: think yeah. Go ahead.
1: And 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 it's it's amazing with I suppose having your fingers and hands in the clay, like Esther would talk about. It, it, It it's a very I guess it's more like a potter's wheel or something because it's a very subtle touch often. It's it's just a, just and, 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 and then things don't, you know, it's not like a light switch. They don't say, okay, we're here to help you change your belief. We're here to help you shift your vibration because it's a, it is a process. Yeah. But, um, um, but the thing that that fuels that process or makes it possible is often just seems to me such it. it, I just kind of marvel at the fact that you can make such a subtle energetic change and it's like, yeah, you know, half your world seems to change.
2: Yeah. And I think part of it is. Part of that is is that so many of our beliefs are limiting or are really just a, a house of cards. And when you can just let go of one car, the whole house collapses. It's like the whole, you know, it's like um, in Wizard of Oz. You know, it's this big wizard that's so scary. And then you open up this little curtain and you see the guy doing everything and you go, oh, I'm not afraid of that anymore. Yeah. I see the man behind the curtain. So it's the place, you know, I was, um have you heard of Robert Scheinfeld?
1: Mm. It the name rings a bell, but
2: he was interviewed by my friend Kathy and he has a great book about he has one about business money and, and pers- I think health or relationship. But it's all about um releasing. And um one of the things he talks about is the places that we have the most power are the places that are scariest for us to go. And that's the way we, we create it. We create it so that our biggest fears, um, the most uncomfortable places for us, are where we have most of our power. And so when you're just willing to go a little bit in that direction, you start to get that power back, you know, the, who you really are. You start to understand who you really are, and then it just starts to crumble it's like a domino effect. Yeah. So that's why a little bit, a little shift in your energy can just make everything look different. It's like the domino effect. It's the law of attraction, right? Right. So,
1: right. And um, and of course, you, you, I, I don't remember which branch of martial arts it is, but mm. uh, there's one where the jujitsu maybe uh, or taekwondo or the 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 basis of it is that this here's this attacker coming at you there's going to be a moment when you and the attacker are in balance yeah and so if you just watch for that moment you can barely touch him yeah and he'll go spinning off to the side yeah and um and i've seen some of these uh masters touring from china and i mean it really yeah, they have their hands up in front of them, and they do sort of put their hands on them, but it, it really it doesn't look like they're doing much. Yeah, and 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 these big guys just go plink. Yeah, you know, and um, and and I think it's very much that way in life. You kind of when you're getting at the issue, you're almost finding that balance point of oh wait a minute, that's not. I'm not sure I ever really believed that. Right. And whoosh,
2: yeah.
3: <clears throat>
1: it is an amazing thing. Well, we've chatted right past our traditional first break. So we'll go ahead and maybe take a little break here. Okay. And uh, then come back. And I'd kind of like to hear a little bit about this uh, economic stuff that you've picked up along the way too. Okay. Because uh, that's a subject I've been dying to get into. I've We've sent one invitation. We we, I, we just haven't found the right email address, but we will. Okay. Uh, so uh, for old uh, Charles Eisenstein. Yes. And
2: uh, talk about that.
1: I know that you uh, know a little bit more about him than some people. So, uh, let's see. Ah, we'll have a little. Recorded word from Jean since she can't be with us tonight. And then uh, I love being here from Elijah and the band of light. We'll mm. be back in about five minutes, five, six minutes, folks. Stay with us. And now a word from our sponsors.
3: All things are ruled and shaped by patterns, every moment is filled with symbolism and synchronicity. Understanding the symbols that shape our lives can provide us with guidance and a greater sense of freedom as we gain the ability to navigate the subconscious. Mama Web draws on 16 years of research into world mythology, theology, symbols, tarot, archetypes, and natural healing, combining that knowledge with intuition, personal experiences, and witnessing, journeying, supporting over 700-plus clients on their paths to peace. Mama Web is able to provide unique insight into the forces that guide our lives and shape our worldviews. You can find Mama at MamaWeb.com or call 1-855-WEBB-CAT. The life of a creator can be challenging without the support of a loving family. When your inner child calls, will you have the courage to answer? If you're looking for a safe place to play in the artistic energy of life, a place where you can be embraced for all the beauty that you naturally hold within, then the Inner Child family is the perfect place for you. A safe haven for artists, poets, and musicians, this uniquely accepting group of individuals is waiting to welcome you with open arms. Be it support that you seek, publishing assistance, or just a fun, friendly place to hang your virtual hat, you found a second home in Inner Child. Go home to iminnerchild.com. Are you looking for answers, clarity, and relief? Are you seeking resolution to the issues in your life that are leaving you feeling confused, upset, and out of control? Are you experiencing the same situation over and over again? Are you ready to move forward and let go of what no longer works? Or is your mission to bridge the gap between human and animal, allowing for the relationship between you and your companion to deepen and flourish? With the help of the gentle guiding hand of Akashic Visionary and animal communicator Inez Martin, you can find the answers that you are looking for. Open your heart to the possibilities by visiting Inez at VisionaryLifeInsultant.com
1: And now for some irregularly scheduled music. Music one part about that song is <laughs> it has an extraordinarily abrupt ending and i usually hear it coming about 2 seconds in advance and and i'm like ah! <laughs> it's blog talk sometimes you push the button to tell it to do something and it just looks at you like what fun it's a good platform it it's it, it's worked well for us we've blown up people's modems and wiring and <laughs> But I I always just tell them we flow a a lot of energy down these lines that they're not used to. And and besides, you know, that means lots of people we know have brand-new Internet lines going to their house. It's cool. (laughs) I mean, by the time they got done, they rewired that whole apartment building that uh, Gene was in. They did. They they had to replace the wires from the pole to the building three times. Wow. Wow. And uh, so – Uh, We'll see how things go up in the mountains, but uh, the the house is apparently, the the aquifer underneath it is a bed of quartz that the water flows through and is stored in. And and, uh, so I think that'll either really help or we'll just have to make a standing appointment monthly with the phone guy. (laughs) Uh, Make real good friends with him.
3: That's right. But
1: uh, that's been my one. I'm on the edge of Houston, so I'm not right in the middle of the big urban jungle. But uh but I would kinda like to go back out to the country. I lived in Kerrville for years.
2: Oh I love country. Yeah.
1: And um uh, I always said if if that's why they don't have any ind- allow any industry there is because if there was too many people would move there. Yeah. And uh uh ruin sort of the atmosphere. It's a lot different than it was when I, I lived there in the 80s that's where that's i was That's when i uh, lived there too yeah around there yeah That's when the i found uh, um, the how to channel book the Seth books and then mm. the learning opening to channel from Sinai Romaine. and uh, yeah
2: yeah
1: and uh, it's a it's an excellent book i was recommended to people and they say okay yeah but what what do i do I say, just read the book
2: Yeah yeah i
1: did that in the in the 80s step. and and thought I'd play with a couple of the exercises and all of a sudden they answered me and I went yeah, hmm, and, yeah. and ran the other way Yeah. And- I often wonder if there had been an internet or uh, some way to find this community you talked about there's uh, there is a lot to be said for the rebuilding of community yeah and uh in fact uh Sacred Weavings with Mama Webb that we're going to start having on Wednesdays. Probably, probably not tomorrow. Uh, Mama's been a little under the weather, but mm. hopefully next week. We'd originally planned on this week, but that's one of the things she talks about is re weaving community. Mm. Uh, because even sometimes in, in cities where we live closer to people than we ever have before, we're farther apart than we've ever been before. Yeah. We're separate than we've ever been before. Yep. And, um, and there's actually some things built into the fabric of society that, that tend to match that, I would say. Some say, well, you know, it's what pushed people that way. I say it's just a, a match of the reflection. But um uh, mentioned Charles Eisenstein right. a minute ago and his uh, thoughts on sacred economics. And one of his thoughts on the, our current economics is that it tends to reinforce separate yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, even even on something as personal as a coaching transaction, to some extent I come to you and I pay you, so I don't owe you anything. We don't have a relationship outside of that. And and of course in yeah. coaching that's not really true, but um but in economics it it you know, you used to it's one of the things that we talked about with uh our Good doctor that recovered from multiple sclerosis by changing her diet and meditating, and uh, is people used to, you know, it would talk about how weird it is that you need to go out and and, and go find a local producer of something and meet them, you know, right. get to know them. Well, fifty years ago, we weren't a mostly urban society; we were a mostly rural society, and you sort of kind of knew the people, you yeah. know. You knew the guys at Brown's Drive-In, which was the only place to get a burger in Kerrville. You knew the people over here and over there, and right. and 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 they knew you, and and so there was always more to your interaction and relationship than product payment, product payment, right? right. And um, and as odd and mechanical as it sounds, that's kind of in our work relationships, almost even in. In in some people's, by description, uh, emotional relationships, it's product, payment, product, payment.
2: Right,
1: right. Instant gratification. It's just, you know, you do this for me, I do that for you, tit for tat, and...
2: Which kind of goes back to being in Whole Foods and being
1: unconscious. Right, right. Right,
2: because you're not interacting with people, you're not interacting with the objects, you're not... You're just. Do you ever watch people put food in their cart at a supermarket? It's it's really like wow. It's they just throw it in there.
1: Just toss it in there, and yeah, and sometimes hardly look at it.
2: And don't even yeah. It's just like yep. But, and I've done it myself.
1: Well, sure, I have too.
2: But if you go to like you know a farmer's market, people are actually more careful.
1: Well, and people are talking to each other. And they're talking that to each other. Interesting. And, thing and um, it's. Uh, we have an HEB around the corner from me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we don't have any sponsors of the corporate type, I can say people's names <laughs> 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 uh, without getting in trouble. But it's the. Their prices are good. It, it, now, it is a huge store, and that's all cool. And they have mm-hmm. a really. Nice deli with really good quality. But the thing that get, keeps me going back there are the people that work there.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because they speak to you. Yeah. And you can't get a confused look on your face in there without somebody being on you pretty quick. With, yeah. Can yeah. I help you? Yeah. And um, it's kind of a lost art.
2: <laughs> it is. It
1: is. So, um, So tell us a little bit about this uh sacred economics and and the economy of gifting or gift economies uh, yeah which are it's not really a new thing is it
2: no it's not at all it's actually in a lot of um <clears throat> a lot of um places like in islands and 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 communities that are not as um they're not big cities right so <clears throat> there's there's He uses a lot of, Charles Eisenstein is the author of Sacred Economics, and he uses a lot of examples of of island peoples and um, older communities that it was, the community itself was held together by a sense of obligation um, because one person would do something for someone and then there was an obligation to give back. And that was their exchange. It wasn't money. It wasn't, there wasn't a currency. Um, per se, it was, it was a gifting economy where you do a gift and then you receive a gift. And the richest people, the most wealthy people in the community were the ones who gave the most gifts because they had everyone in the community, quote, unquote, owing them in a way. They had that relationship. So, <clears throat> but I wanted to go back just a little bit about why I, how I got to read the book
1: yeah, yeah, Which absolutely.
2: Which was, um, I had been doing these new, different kinds of things that I had discovered along the way from a lot of different teachers, and I was trying to figure out how I wanna, I wanna talk to people about what I'm doing, and I wanna, I just wanna get out there and start talking to people. I just wanna, I just wanna. I didn't want it to be, not that I was trying to get bigger and bigger in terms of how many people I reached, but I just felt this urge to go out and talk to people without it being this very formal thing. I just wanted to give people. I, that's, that's what it came down to. I couldn't really express it, but I wanted to just get out there and like go to a coffee shop and just talk to people. Just There was a right. sense of almost urgency about it, of people need this information. People need to wake up. People, okay. This is the time.
1: Well, and, and and if only people had this information, wow.
2: Right, exactly. This could change people's lives. It's changing my life. Imagine this, if I shared this with someone. And yet I felt like there was a little bit of a barrier there, and I couldn't figure out what the barrier was. And so, and I had experimented with different price points for different things, but I wanted to even just not even worry about that. I just wanted to go out and talk to people. <clears throat> and then, um, my friend Kathy, Kathy Kirk from Applied Spirituality, was doing a, a talk show and she got this guy Charles Eisenstein who wrote Sacred Economics to come on her show, and she's like, "You gotta check this guy out. He's like amazing." So, um, so I went to his site and he was not selling his book. He was gifting his book. If you if you bought it in paperback and the book is like, I don't know, four. 600 pages. I mean, it's a lot. It's like a lot of pages in the many, many hundreds of pages.
1: Yeah, it's not just a tiny little look at the no, idea. It's
2: not a it's not a free report, my friend. <laughs> he goes. <laughs> so, basically, if you buy it physically, then you pay Amazon or something. But if you get the PDF, if you get it online, it's free. Now, would you want to get a 700-page book online? I don't know. But I just decided I, I want the book in my hands, and I bought it. And I started reading it, and I, I just kept saying yes to it. And there were times, for sure, that I felt challenged. And I went, I don't know about that, or I feel uncomfortable with this. But I felt like it was all good to feel that discomfort and feel that challenge in it. Right. And, and so when I read his book, he, he I'm not going to do it justice, but... Parts of the books that really resonated with me was there was a part about this whole gifting commu- gifting communities that that are all based on um, they don't have the separation that money can bring. Where um, say the example he used was if you have uh, if you go to a restaurant and you have a not so great meal you pay for the meal. And you never see that person again. You just decide not to go back there. And you go with your money to another restaurant. But he said in a gifting community, if you have a bad meal, that person knows it. There's a relationship there. And so that person is more likely to want to make that up to you. There's there's just more in that than just, oh, I'll just buy it somewhere else. Which is what we tend to do, right? We go, well, I can't get it here. I'll try to get it there. And so we, the sort of the the money always goes away.
1: The the people don't matter.
2: Right. Exactly. Whoever the highest bidder or the lowest bidder wins versus the one that feels the best to me. Um. So, so I really that really was like, yes, this is what I'm talking about. This is I think this is answering what I'm trying to answer the question that I kept saying, why can't I just go out and do this? Um, and the other thing he talked about was uh, usury, which is, um, I always thought usury was charging um, an inflated amount of in, of interest on money. But he defines usury as charging any interest. So he talks about things like um, reverse, um, I think it's, what is it called? Reverse interest or something. It's it's basically, um that banks actually will give you money to have money there. So it's the opposite of, uh, no, sorry, that's not right. Um, if you have a loan with a bank, um, depending on, there's, you usually pay interest to the bank. So basically they make money off of money. Right. He said making money off of money actually doesn't serve anybody. Um, and that bank should need to stop doing that. In fact, they should start paying you to have just money in there.
1: And right, and it's 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 really kind of a deceptive thing the way that, you know, if it's sort of pictured out for people
3: yeah.
1: as opposed to buried in an economic theory somewhere to see that okay, so how does money come into existence? Banks loan it to somebody. Right. But then, and that creates a debt, but for that debt to go away, you got to give back what you got plus more. Well right. where did the plus more come from? Nobody ever created that
2: exactly. so, and it so keeps people in debt.
1: How could it ever work and And really, when you look at it that way, it's almost like, who thought this up? This it's, doesn't it's, even make sense.
2: yeah, it's like a massive Ponzi scheme, and so there's always this pressure to grow, 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 and they don't mean spiritually or emotionally, they mean to get more money, to get more money, to get more money. And so then we find ourselves, like we had that conversation about, um, we just had that conversation about money, um, was that's where that pressure comes from is I, must, I have to keep growing with my money. I have to keep growing with my money. I have to keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And, you know, I started to think about there was an interview of um, this guy who worked on Wall Street, and he said, everyone on Wall Street has a number. And they'll tell you their number. And their number is, at what point will I be happy? What number? And guess what? Every year that number changes, it goes up. So people could never be happy. So this kind of looks at that and says, that's not working anymore. It's just not working. It's not bringing us closer together. It's dividing us. And it's not saying money is bad, nor is it no. good. No, no. It's the system of what we're doing, of what we're doing with it. So he called, you know, um, this sort of age that we're going through that we're changing into as the age of reunion, that so we've been coming from the age of separation and we're going through the age of reunion. And in the age of reunion, we're going to have just different money systems. We're going to have different ways of dealing with money and being with money, different relationships. So that really appealed to me, and I immediately wanted to apply it to everything. But decided I'm going to apply it slowly because I know myself, and if I try to apply to everything, I'm going to get discouraged very quickly, and then think it's never not going to work at all. So I decided um, that what I do is if I have a group event, um, like my channeling um, or coaching, um, and I just started this a couple months ago, I. I make it a gift. Excuse me. I make it a gift. So in other words, what I say is this service is a gift to you. Um, if you feel inspired, if you feel appreciative, if you got something out of it, I totally am open to a donation. That's sort of, so it's, it's up to the other person. I'm not saying right. you have to donate. I'm not telling you how much you have to donate. I'm saying I'm open to it. I'd love it, but either way, it's cool. Right. Um, and I also say, and if you want to just, sh- if your idea of of feeling appreciative is to passing this information forward, then do that. Exactly. So that's sort of my, my baby step into this is, so I still have individual clients that I charge money for. Um, I have a set rate, and then we work with that. Right. But for group, I've decided I'm gifting this. Because I want to see how it feels, you know. It was sort of like a new thing for me. Because I would, I have lots of things that I give away on my site, and the usual things that marketers tell you you need to give away, you know, a free report, a sample of this,
1: first chapter of this, what, whatever it may be. Exactly. Yeah.
2: But this was like another step for me was gifting a service ongoing for a group of people, and it had some challenges, it's definitely, and I've done a lot of money work, Rick, a lot of money work. You have to do your work.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because
2: this is not, you know, five years ago, I would have done this from the, from the place of, I can't charge money because my stuff is not worth it. Right. And so that would be like, I just avoid money altogether and say, well, it's a donation. Right. So, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you understand the worth of what you do, and, in fact, it's worth so much it's priceless. And you know that already, and you're gifting it. Right. And you're open to, it's uh, not. It's not yeah. so
1: much the case, like, the marketers might, you know, you should put down a suggested donation because they need to know how much you think you're worth. Right. It's not that they need to know how much you think you're worth. You need to know how much you think you're worth. Exactly. And and, and then really, they can feel it.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, But it's still challenging, and he talks about his own challenges um, of, you know, occasionally feeling like, what, that's it? What, this person didn't give, but this person did give, and da 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 and, and being tempted to try to guilt someone in giving or that sort of stuff so that that all comes up, so it's all there for for review and releasing and and it's a challenge, but one thing that did happen very recently was so I did this for about a month where all my groups were um by donation by gift, and the money that people were donating was not um at the level that they would do if I was charging um you know, like a regular way. Right. And so then, so I was like, okay, all right, just be, you're cool with it, you know, deal with it, release it. So then we went to Mexico and, um, I went to ask my in-laws, uh, where a bank was, because I needed to get some cash out to pay someone. And they said, well, how much do you need? And I said, no, 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 please don't. I want to get my own money. And they go, no, no, we just need to know because. Um, you inherited a bunch of money, and I went, "Oh, really?" Really. And I turned. It turned out um, that someone in that in the family had had transitions, which we knew, and she had given um, my husband's family and all her grandchildren a sum of money, and when I calculated in my head. I realized that that sum of money pretty much covered if not surpassed what I would have made that month for. I was gifting these services. And I thought, you know, my mind would tell me I would be, this would still be happening whether I did this or not, whether I did the gifting or not. But I feel like my heart is saying, no, this is, this is, I'm open. I'm open to the gift.
3: She
1: right. gifted us. Yes.
2: And, um, And I started to feel very supported. Like I was, I felt like I was sort of in this gap, you know, and one of the messages that I got when I was doing this was there's going to be, sometimes there's going to be a gap of time between when you do a service and when you see the money, whether you gift it or you don't gift it. And that's good. This is, that's good for you to have that gap. Because right now, you're really uncomfortable in the gap, and that's good. As long as you can be okay being uncomfortable there, eventually you'll start to feel okay there. And then once you start to feel okay there, the gap is going to start closing. So in other words, you came here for the gap. If you could think about what you wanted and have it immediately with you that wouldn't be why you came here into a physical world.
1: Yeah, so in that other would be words, elsewhere.
2: Right, exactly. You came here to experience the gap, to be uncomfortable in it, to gr- you know grind your teeth in it,
1: and let then it pull up what it pulls up.
2: Exactly. And then eventually you're going to be okay with the gap, and then the gap starts to close. And I thought, oh, okay. That's what this is all about. So so I guess what I'm trying to say is this experience has allowed me to expand what I see as the giving and receiving. And it's expanded my view of who I give to and who I receive from, that we really are all connected and it's all coming, you know, just because I give something to somebody doesn't mean that they need to give it to me. It right. can come from a lot of different places and a lot of different forms. And if you can see it as that, then you can open up your worldview about how life can be. So does that make sense, what I'm saying to you?
1: It it, it does, because there's there's no longer... I think one of the great things about it, and I've watched... I think every moment of video of Charles that's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it, it, the really interesting thing about it to me is it removes all need to try to pass judgment on the person you're giving it to. You don't have to try to look yeah. at them and figure out do they have the ability to pay this back. Yeah. Uh, are they honorable enough to pay it back? Are they? None of that matters anymore.
2: Right. Exactly. Because
1: it doesn't. It doesn't have to come back from there. Exactly. And and there is that discomfort in the in the gap there that is. Uh, Veronica and Elohim talk about uh, making friends with I don't know being comfortable in I don't know
2: exactly um, okay. Okay.
1: other people talk about having faith. Um, I think that it's all expressing how to get in the gap yeah and because you're in the gap, so to speak, anyway, all yeah. the time, yeah so it's just it's it's not really this big sea change of I'm going to move into the gap now you're that's <laughs> where it, it's just like waking up to oh, that's where I am,
2: yeah, I'm being okay there,
1: right, instead of running from there,
2: yeah exactly,
1: and because we kind of run from there into excuses and habits and things and and you can't change your life, or even allow it to change, yeah. except now.
2: Exactly.
1: And, uh,
2: uh, and you know, another gift from this is that I've been interacting with people and reaching people that I've never reached before, because I didn't have a story about whether they could afford it or not, um, whether it was worthy of sharing or not. Um whether it had to be packaged in a certain way. Um, it it kind of made everything up you know, it just gave me more options about how to do things. So now I can kind of instantly um like this energy healing that I was doing in Mexico, um, I just said, Hey, you wanna do energy Okay. Hey, you wanna do it? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And I worked on six or seven people um in a week. Yeah. With something that I just started.
1: And that you wanted to sort of practice, sort of come. And I
2: wanted to practice.
1: I mean, I there's a channeling course that I've seen material from that says, okay, you know, so how am I going to, well, so for a little while, just uh, tell people to come and uh, it's free because you're just practicing. And you, it even takes that out of the mix when it's gifted.
2: Yeah.
3: It
1: can be valued and and be and still be gifted and and even if the return gift is just you got to practice because that's what you wanted to do or um it it removes so many layers that have been sort of plastered on top of this gift culture and uh he does talk about the South Pacific islands a lot because that was a, a very alive culture there. And of course I believe that most of those South Pacific islands are remnants of Lemuria. So I'm not surprised, but I think that it was part of many indigenous cultures. Yeah. Um, had the opportunity to be up in Alaska. Uh, my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. We went on a cruise to Alaska, the, my two sisters and I and my parents.
3: Mm.
1: And uh, one of the places we went on one of the shore excursions was to uh, a native village, uh, the Saxman uh, village. Mm. And everybody, as you came from the parking lot and you're going to go in and, you know, there was a tour, but you could also just wander around or you could sit in the place and have a drink and a snack, whatever you wanted to do. But to get in, you had to go past like an entry thing. Right. And people were in line kind of like going, do we have tickets for this? Are we supposed to have? What are we? And we weren't in line to pay or to show that, prove that we had tickets. We were in line to get a gift. Mm. And it was a little pin, like a, like skiers put on their jackets or golfers put on their hats or it was a little pin, you know, it's not. Something extravagant, but you weren't allowed to be a guest in their village w- without having been gifted something.
3: Mm. It
1: was, it, 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 what they said, it has been our way as long as anybody can remember is that, you know, we desire to give a gift of our greetings and appreciation to guests yeah. that come to our village. Yeah. And so, it was watching people the shock on some people's faces the giddiness some people like started giggling and couldn't quit when yeah. they discovered that it was not to have to pay or prove something but to get a gift it yeah. was really it was like they turned into little kids it was so cool
2: yeah yeah
1: and but yeah. that's also why sometimes the discomfort of the gap can pull up some Interesting beliefs and other habits and things.
2: Absolutely.
1: Is, is because it takes those layers off of what's really going on, and 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 so you suddenly see them and you go, ugh, that was icky, or at least that that's been partially my experience with it.
2: Well, I know, yeah, I mean, and I'm
1: not as I don't have as much experience with it as you do, but
2: uh, well, I'm a, maybe a page ahead of yeah, you on this, but yeah, but um, we're
1: all we're all trotting along, doing quite well, I think. Exactly.
2: Um, one of the things that I think it revealed for me when they talked about gifting societies is that I'm, I'm not much of a gift giver. You know, like in terms of um, I forget people's birthdays, I forget my own, I don't normally buy gifts, things like that, and I get gifts from people and then I kind of feel awkward because I'm not big into buying gifts and stuff like that.
1: Right.
3: And
2: then I realized one of the things that it totally took away was you know gifts can be so many different things they don't have to be something you actually buy or something you make. it could be um, it could my energy work is my gift yeah and or uh, a poem or um, I've given my husband songs that I've written so I realized that uh it was such a relief to me to realize that what I give to someone doesn't have to be something that I go out and buy because. That usually is
1: not what I want to do. Right. It just doesn't occur to me. Yeah.
2: And sort
1: of never I think it's very deep in our in our social psyche, um, because there's so much talk about uh, sometimes with uh, young people and and guns counselors. At least you know around the people that I was, you know, what are your gifts? You need to use your gifts. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, but it gets turned sometimes into utilize your talents, uh, challenge your aptitudes. Mm-hmm. But it always started when I was little with gifts. You got to use your gifts. What's your gift? What's your God given gift? What's your right? And and uh, and it doesn't It just has to be what's your talent? What's your gift? It doesn't have to be you know otherwise, but that uh, you know, seen as given from any particular somebody or something, but. It, it it's kind of in the language. Yeah. And, and 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 really when you look at words and where they come from and things you often find that there's hint and clues in yes. it. Yes. So where did that come from? And exactly. And I think that's where that came from was you know, what's your what's your gift? Okay, yeah. well give it. And then don't worry about anything else. Everything else will be fine. Exactly, but, but the rest of that message like didn't all, didn't always come through with the what's your gift question. But right,
2: it became something you buy. Right,
1: right. right. Or and
2: and some people that is their gift is picking out really cool things for people that, that work with people. Oh, you
1: know. Oh yeah, and there's. But that's not me at all. I used I used to be in the real estate business, and
2: oh, they did a lot of gift giving
1: there. And and well, and there's also a lot of image stuff going on, and. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, I grew up inside loop, the loop here in Houston in in a high dollar neighborhood. And so that's where I started my career because that's the neighborhood I knew the best. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and these agents down there almost all had image consultants, people yeah. that basically taught them how to dress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, You know, my mom tried to do a great job, but, you know, maybe I'm not the best at what goes with what. And So I used to do it the low-cost way. I'd go to the suit store, the men's warehouse store, and they always, while you're in there trying the suit on to get it tailored, they pick out, uh, they take the jacket away from you first. They mark it up first. And then somebody picks out, one of the salespeople picks out a bunch of shirts and ties. Right. Right. And to try to sell you more stuff. Right. But they also generally are picking out stuff that goes together. So right. I would just, I didn't buy, you know, they'd have five things picked out, and I'd buy one or two. But that's how I did it. And that and the Lands End catalog would have, like, a stack of their shirts. Right. In different colors, and then there would be a different tie on each one of them. And so I would just order, if I ordered that color shirt, I'd order that tie. Right, right. And, and cheat, because it was such a thing, you know. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, but that is, I, you know, people that are so good at buying things for folks. They're, they're, yeah. Some of those image consultants really were, they would turn people around to like, wow, look at, look at them.
2: Yeah. I have a friend who's an image consultant and that is her gift. That is her gift. She is in her element when she does that. And, um, it's like I see the the light turn on when she's doing what she's doing, and I I can appreciate it. That's not my gift,
1: right? You know. And it's not my gift. But and and I kind of want to stress to people is that your gift is your gift. Yeah. And it doesn't because we talk about coaching and channeling and stuff first, and then we talked about this stuff. Your gift doesn't have to have anything to do with spirituality or spiritual growth. Absolutely. You could have a gift of uh, plumbing, yeah. okay? And, you know, let's face it, if you haven't experienced it yourself, you've probably seen it in a movie or a television show, that people have bad plumbers sometimes come to their house. Okay, so if plumbing's your gift, man, go for it. You will be in demand, I can assure you. When I was a real estate agent, we were always looking for a good tradesman and craftsman.
2: Yeah, and and, you know what, I think also if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, supposed to be in quotes, meaning what gives you the most joy, it's always going to have a spiritual component to it, even if you're a plumber. like Right. I felt like the plumbers were my heroes when I had a flood in my basement. I was like, oh, thank God you're here. And and they know exactly what to do. And I was like, I love you. I love you.
1: (laughs) I mean, if you had to define. The
2: the change shifts to me. It was like they were saving me.
1: Yeah, if you had to define, you know, guardian angels swooping in and saving the day, there yeah. they are. Yeah, and,
2: exactly.
1: And and so why not appreciate them that way? Absolutely. As opposed to, um, you know, oh, that's that grimy person. Right. Who, you know, pants don't completely cover what they should in the rear, and. <laughs>
2: right. You know. The crack, the crack.
1: It look when yeah. you when your basement's flooding. Yeah. You don't care what they wear. No. They, you know.
2: We just. I'm glad they know where things go.
1: Right. I'm well, just but, glad they can make it quit flooding.
2: Yeah, and I, I've had those experiences when we were renovated our kitchen, and I felt like all of the workmen um, were were craftsmen. They were. I I felt this sense of I appreciated the architects, and I appreciated the contractors, and I appreciated. I felt like, for me, it was an exercise in appreciating all the gifts that I was receiving um, by watching them work and seeing what the result was and, and watching things, you know, watching the house go to studs, to the bare studs, and then building back up again um, was amazing to watch. And they did it. They, I just stood there. We, we paid the money. But they right.
1: did all the work. Well, and and the we paid the money is almost beside the point. I I always used to tell people when I was in management, uh, I managed crews that had crew chiefs and crew bosses, and 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 uh, you know the seaman had the bosun, and the bosun's always asking me management type questions, and it's I, I kept telling him that you, you can pay people to come to work, but you can't pay them to care. Exactly and exactly. and These because he would care. always be looking for that difference, is this guy over here the way he does his job, and this guy over here the way he does he, he well that one cares, and that one doesn't yeah and and we always managed to the ones that didn't care either went away, or um uh, the ones that don't care don't wanna work on a crew where everyone cares
2: right it's not gonna be a good match,
1: no, it's just a little uncomfortable and yeah. like itching powder, and so off they go exactly. and. And it's it's not sorting out the castes of society. It's not sorting out the good and the bad and the wheat from the chaff. It's just right. everybody's experience is valid. Everybody's truth is true, but um, I've been fortunate enough most of my life to have the experience of working with people that care right. uh, much more often than not. And it, it's uh it's an amazing thing, and you accomplish amazing things. Yeah. Um, uh, that don't happen when that's not there.
3: Yeah. And, absolutely.
1: And and that's the biggest element I think that you know what Charles is doing sort of is trying to bring back into it is here we go back to this reweaving community thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Community is important. Absolutely. Community is important, and pe- people say, you know, well, the money is not important; it's the people. Well, that's your community. There that's, you go. And uh, we've kind of been thrown together in groups that might not have wound up that way. Uh, because in the city, you, you know, your next door neighbor may be an accountant and you may think numbers are, you know, the devil's work. And and used to, you all kind of lived in with people that did the similar things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the Internet's a cool way to find community. And, and, and But you'll be surprised once you start being confident it's there. It's all around you.
2: Absolutely.
1: Like popcorn. <laughs> it's really fun. Really fun. And and this has been really fun. See, here we are at <laughs> three minutes already. I, told I know. It would really be quick.
2: By.
1: I told you to be quick You know, we'd I have know. a good time.
2: I know. Even, time.
1: even without Gene here, to keep me honest. I, I mean, to keep <laughs> me on. She's <my laughs> very well solo, I have to say. Well, thank you. Um, do want to let our podcast listeners that may be away from a screen. Um, Know that you can find a lot more information from Rita, and of course the free things that marketers say you should give away free, like she said, <laughs> at becomingawake. dot com. Uh, I like that name because that's really what it's about: is becoming yeah. awake. And uh, I'm not sure if there is an all the way awake. It, I think it's just a
2: it's process. It's forever, yeah. It's a never becoming. ending story,
1: but. At least it's far enough, far enough from here that you ain't got to worry about the end. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like driving across Texas, how far is it? Way farther than you want to know about. Yeah,
2: eight hundred fifty-seven miles.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh,
2: That's what the Beaumont signs uh, say when you're going to El Paso.
1: <laughs> right, and and over there in Kerrville, I was met up with a guy who used to ride a motorcycle when I was in college, and I met up with another guy on a bike and. Uh I asked him where he was going, and he said he was going to someplace over in New Mexico to spend the night with his friends. And I said, not tonight.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> you still got 500 miles to go. He's like, you're kidding. I've been driving in this state all day. It's, yeah, well, well, yep. Texas. Exactly. <clears throat> <laughs> so nice to have somebody that knows about Kerrville and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm, I'm cheating on our time. Uh, again, I have no earthly idea what's going on on Thursday night, so it's probably a must-listen show, because that seems to be the way it works out. Uh, <laughs> like I said, maybe Jane will be back with us. She can tell us all about this magical place in the mountains, and I think this not getting internet and stuff back, she doesn't even have a phone, a landline phone. She's got a roaming cell phone that she can call 911 with, and um, is for her to sort of soak in, and settle in. So I think it's going to be cool. Uh, And then uh, I I guess we do have somebody next week. Do we have somebody next week? I don't know. Uh, Yes, we do. Brenda Hoffman will be with us Tuesday. Uh, You folks probably see me post her. uh, Her blog comes out weekly right before, about an hour before the show. So it's always on my wall right next to the show. And, uh, And then next week, Thursday, we're going to have Robert Miller, who uh, is the author of the Pentultimate Key? And I think now the uh, newly updated and refreshed version is just called the Ultimate Key. Or uh, anyway, it's going to be a fun week. So join us on Thursday, and let's see what this guest cancellation night turns into. Uh, and until then, I would, Gene would say, stay connected. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your everyday connection.